Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, middle of the week. And... Um, the Super Bowl is only three days away, Shannon. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. We have our oh, we, we have our we have our reporter on site tomorrow. Oh, we do. Yeah, on site, Mister. Will he be reporting from um, Los Angeles, California? What is the name of the stadium there? SoFi. Yeah, that's it. SoFi Stadium. Yes, Pat Leonard for the New York Daily News will be in Los Angeles with us tomorrow. We'll good to talk about the Super Bowl. The, do you remember who's game. playing in it? Remember who's playing in it? <laughs> uh, yeah, Akron and Louisville. There you go. Uh, we're going to do hockey again today, and um, a, you make it uh, sound like a you make it sound like an arduous challenge. Well, we did hockey yesterday. Yeah, we did, but we're, we're not doing it's, hockey it's again only, today. It's the only two times all week we're going to do football tomorrow. We're going to do basketball Friday. Well, it's okay. I'm just I, all I said was we're going to do hockey again know, because we did hockey yesterday. And we didn't, and we had the great Brian Cooper on on Monday to talk about business or sports. Oh, I, I mean, wouldn't say is... great, but uh, Brad Treliving is going to join us, who we always enjoy uh, chatting with, and we'll talk about his hockey team, who are in a battle, yep. in a um, in a division that is as tight as can possibly be, and we'll talk to him about that and the impact of that and how it affects what he does, if if at all. Brad Treliving is going to join us after these messages. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Well, the all-star break is behind us in the National Hockey League. And I guess, John, this was supposed to be uh, the big vacation for everybody, huh? The uh, Yes. Well, oh, yeah, we time, were supposed the to. The time off for the Olympics. You know what was supposed to happen today was that the uh, the players were going to be landing in uh, in Beijing and uh, everybody who wasn't going to be in Beijing were, were going to be on their way to Cabo San Lucas. <laughs> yeah, well, um, our guest today is uh, the uh, managing general, of course, of the uh, Calgary Flames. Brad Treliving is uh, with us and uh, looks like Treliving, you're sitting in your office and uh, grinding out that paycheck, huh? Yeah, a long way from Cabo San Lucas today, so we're going <laughs> to... Well, I don't know. I'm not feeling you, all those years you spent in the sun in Phoenix. And I'm not feeling sorry for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're not going anywhere, uh, for the foreseeable future, but had you, had you made any plans for the, you know, the 17 day shutdown window, uh, any ideas to what you were going to do over this time frame? I hadn't Bob. I'm sure my wife had had all sorts of <laughs> ideas going on, but, uh, we kind of heard a few things every now and again, but you know, once uh, once uh, you know everything got uh, changed here in December, we uh, had a pretty good idea that we wouldn't be going too far. But so you know, we've we've touched on it a few times the last couple of days on the show about this this compacted schedule, Brad. You know, whether it's forty games in eighty days or eighty one days. Uh, yeah. How, how you got you, you're you're doing a back to back home games, which is a rarity. A Wednesday, Thursday at the Saddle Dome. Uh, how, how are you going to manage it? Well, we're we you know we went through the the outbreak here in early part, first uh, first part of December, middle of December, I guess it was, and so we had we had eleven games. Um, the good news is the majority. I guess the good news is the majority of them were home games. So they've, they've 
you know, we had one put into March, two our two road games that we missed. Um, we had nine home and then two road games. The two road games were back-to-back, been put into April. So for the most part, this, what was, as we were talking about, was what was to be the Olympic break, um, we've got eight home games in that time. So for the most part, it's going to be busy. But, you know, by and large, it's, it's – um, as good as we could have hoped for in terms of scheduling it's, but everybody's in the same boat. Now you're right. You, you, you've got every Canadian team. Every Canadian team's in the same boat. It's not the same for your American friends. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's going to be a busy, it's going to be a busy stretch. So we're going to try to keep the the picture small and just worry about the the next game. And uh, that's tomorrow against Vegas for us. So, um, you know, but we we had good skate today. The guys had a lot of energy, and so hopefully that can carry over to tomorrow. But it's going to be a it's a, it'll be a hectic uh, hectic run here till the end. So you you have you have four mandatory days off. You have to give your players because of the CBA. You got these extra games. I mean, have you and Daryl sat down and gone through it and say? I mean, you might have like four practices all all, all month. Yeah. Well, I, I think practices it's it's going to be the thing of the past here as you get into. You know the next little bit. So you, when you do have a practice, you got to make the most of it. But as you get into this, even you know, like you said, we're 40, 40 games in eighty days. So it's it's play, it's it's get rest, recover, and and play again. So um, the coaches don't necessarily like that. I think the players are are more than happy with that. So uh, um, so away we go. Well, one of the things, one of the evolutions in sport, Brad, that. We have all observed principally in the National Basketball Association, but elsewhere too, is time management, um, days off, giving players games off. The NBA does it with some regularity, especially with veteran players. You'll recall when, um, when Kawhi Leonard was in Toronto, he got all kinds of days off. Now there were mitigating circumstances to that, but he got like 20 something days off, a games off. And we've seen teams in other sports now say, all right, we want our players to have the odd day game off. Um, do you make any plans for that? Do you discuss that? Or do you stick to the notion that, well, we got 82 to play. If you can play them, you play them. Yeah, a little bit of both. Bob, I think, you, you know, when, at the beginning of the year, you, 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 you're planning to play your full lineup whenever it's available, but at the end of the day, the reality is, especially, and I think even more so out West with the travel, um, you know, we've had players that have come from the East to the West and, and, you know, it's, it's noticeable in terms of the travel that you, that you carry out here. So there are certain nights that you, you try to circle in the calendar and say, okay, is there a way to get as much recovery as you can? Now, having said that, it's like a lot of things it's, it's written in pencil, but the reality is, Things are so tight usually, and when you're fighting and scratching and crawling to get into the playoffs, at the end of the day, you're playing your best lineup. Um, you know, you're playing your best lineup every night that you can. Now, injuries dictate that. You know, we and this year, I would say, has been well the last couple of years. But with all the COVID stuff going on, um, your your lineups written in pencil every day. Uh, you, your practice lineups written in pencil until you get through your testing every day. Um, you know, what you thought you're going to have at eight o'clock in the morning might not be what you have at 1030 for a skate. So, um, I think, I think to that point, you've got to be able to, to roll with the punches in, in today's world. And, and if there's times that you can give guys more often than not, it's practice days off. You, you, at the end of the day, you want them as fresh as they can be at seven o'clock at night on game night. So whatever that does, whatever you have to do to, to, to accomplish that, you try to accomplish it. New, new protocols after the all-star game for you, you've lost your taxi squad. Any issues for you? Well, I mean, not necessarily issues. Ours is, you know, we're, we're in a situation where our farm team's in Stockton, California. So it's not as easy as saying, you know, we've got a team down the street that if we need a guy um, on a game day, it's it's a little more challenging. Um, but I think you know now with 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 you know the hope is that um, 
you're going to have a little bit more um, heads up if you have to go through a COVID situation because you're, you know, the, the, the testing procedures have changed and you're not testing every single day only with, with players with symptoms. So, you know, that may give you a little bit more wiggle room, but, you know, we keep an extra player here, extra forward, extra defenseman, at least um, for those situations, if something arrives on game day. So um, I don't, I don't anticipate it's, it's going to be what normal course of business normally is, John. So um, I don't, I don't anticipate. And sometimes quite honestly, those taxi squad, it's good to have people around, but it, it, it's, it's hard it can be hard on the coaches to have extra, that many extra players. It's hard on the players when they're not playing. So I, I like it better when the players that aren't playing are down in, in Stockton playing and, and are ready when they're called upon. So the, the other thing is you, you touched on it a little bit there, the new rules about uh, asymptomatic players or, or players not getting tested every day. I assume your team, the players on your team are happy about all the changes that have been made? They are. I mean, they are now our situation was when we, you know, you've seen sort of the drip, drip, drip around the league where you get a guy here and a guy there. We we were going through that earlier in the year. And then when we had our outbreak, we had, you know, we had everybody for the most part got it with the exception of, I think, I think it was two players, one or two players and one and two staff. So for the most part, our guys have gone through it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's certainly uh they're certainly uh, they're happy with the changes. Well, and you know, having gone through it reduces the risk of getting it again, but it doesn't yep. eliminate it, right? Correct. You you still can get it, and you know, we've seen player, we've had players that have had it multiple times. So, um, yeah, you know, you you do it's you, it's the new norm, right? You, I keep calling it the new norm. This feels like it's you know, it's no longer Groundhog Day. This is just the way things have been going for so long now. So. You get up and, you know, you just hope you don't get that call. Usually when that call comes late at night from your trainer early in the morning, it's usually never good news that he's phoning to say, hey, just checking in. So you hope for the, hopefully those calls are minimized. So as a general rule, you get to this time of year and, and every team in your division conference, in the league, in fact, will have played approximately the same number of games. Every once in a while, there's an aberration, but... Generally, you're within one or two games played of everybody else. Not so obviously this year. You've got four games in hand on Vegas, uh, five on LA, and six on Anaheim, the three teams that are ahead of you. Um, when And you're five points back of Vegas. Um, when you, are you, a, are you a, um, a standings watcher as a general rule? Is it one of the things you do every day? You know what I find, Bob? If things are going well, you look at the standings. If they're not, you don't. You don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you have an idea. Like, you, let's be honest. You know exactly where every, you know, you know where you where you are and where everybody else is, and you try not to become a slave to it. But you, you, you know, you know where you are. Well, but with all these games in hand now, um, how do you evaluate where your team is at in relation to the standings? Yeah, not easy, huh? It's not, um, you know, and I don't like to get caught up in, okay, well, we're X back, but we've got all these games in hand. Games in hand are only valuable if you win them. So the, the, the thing is we'll make these games up in hand really in the next three weeks, the next couple of weeks. We're going to be right. playing a lot of hockey when everybody else in, in our division, probably with the exception of Edmonton, isn't. Um, so we know this is an important time for us. I look, you know, when you evaluate our team, I kind of look at it in two segments in the first half. We, we had a real good start. Um, and then we had a dip, we had a, it coincided with our, you know, we, we went 19 days, I think without a game, we, we went 10 days without a practice. We were, we had everybody, you know, for the most part, go through the protocol. And then we came out of that and we were, you know, we, we, we came off it. And uh, I thought our last seven games, we were back to looking the way we looked earlier in the year. Now, was that, was that, you know, a, a lull? Was that, did it have anything to do with the time off we had? I don't know. I don't want to use that as an excuse, but I think we've been looking more like um, we looked before, you know, the, the, the measures that we, the measurements that we looked at in terms of our data, were back to where we we looked earlier in the year. 
Um, so, you know, you want now we've had another break. So we want to get back to our game as quickly as we can um, coming out of this break. And then that gives to me that, that gives you a pretty good, you know, a pretty good fe- feeling of where your team is at. Um, but that's the challenge for us now is getting back to the level we were, you know, when we entered the break. I don't want I don't want to dwell on COVID too much, but I don't know how you avoid it. I mean, that's all we seem to talk about. But uh, I, I've had people suggest that the, the bout of COVID you went through with you at one point, if memory serves me, you had 30 people in the protocol on ice, off ice operations people. You had 30 people that you were actually a benefactor of having everybody go through it at the same time. Do you buy that? Well, when you're going through it, you don't feel it. Yeah. Uh, feel that way. I think what it did do, John, as I said earlier, is I think it eliminates that drip, 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 you know, where you're coming today and say, okay, who, who, who's got it today? Um, so, but I, I really do believe, although we had a lot of guys, you know, the majority of people were asymptomatic. We had some guys that, you know, got the flu. Um, I think the recovery period still takes some time, you know, just to get up and going. Um, so the hope, the hope is that we're through, through it now as we talked about before you can still get it but i i do think eliminating that daily worry that okay how many guys are out today um sure but it but when we went through it and i think our team suffered you know there was a two or three week period where we we just we didn't play well and i think that had it wasn't the only reason but i do think that played a part in it uh, if you look statistically at your team, you're kind of middle of the pack in goals scored. Uh, you're uh, doing very well in goals against. Um, are there things about this team? Well, let me blunt, be blunt. Are there things about this team that concern you or that you don't like? I think there's always things you're, you're worried about, uh, Bob. You know, for us, as you said, I think we've, the calling card for us, um, really all years, we, we, we've been a very good five on five team. And I think that's important. That really, I mean, especially teams that are, are critical, um, but you need to, to have any success in this league. You need to be a, fi- a good five on five team. We've been a very strong five on five team. We've been, um, a top team defensively all year in terms of what we, you know, what we give up or what we don't give up. Um, and quite honestly, we've been a, other than that stretch of time in December, we've been a very, we've been a top team in terms of what we generate and chance wise offensively, our finishing rate has been in the bottom third of the league and in some ways down in the, in the mid to to high 20s. So if there's something that concerns me, um, it's again, goal scoring and getting it, you know, we've, we've been driven offensively by, a handful of people, most notably our top line with with Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm, uh, Manjipani's had a real good start. He's had, he 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 was real hot to start and had a dip like a lot of our guys. You got to learn to store at home though. You got to get him to score at home. That's though, right. We got to put him in a hotel. We got to put him at a hotel at home just to <laughs> feed him a free game meal. But but you know we need we need more we need more people um, contributing offensively. I think we saw a little bit of that, Bob. Um, before the break, like I think Backlund is playing, you know, the last three weeks has been his best hockey Monaghan's coming, but that's the area right now where we, we need our top guys to continue to be top guys, but we need, we need more participation from others. Um, we're generating, but we got to, you know, we see it with Coleman. Coleman's been generating all year. It's going in for him a little bit more now, but we need more, we need more people pulling the rope up. In that you, you, you talked about Blake. Uh, even a veteran player like Blake Coleman, you know, New Jersey and a Stanley Cup champion in, in Tampa, moves to a new country, new team. He, he still needed an adjustment time, didn't he? Absolutely, John. And, I, and coming to the West for the first time, right? He's, right. Been, he's been in the East the whole time. And I, you know, I remember talking to Lind, Lindholm his first year. And, it, you know, six weeks into the season, he's like, holy. I mean, the travel is 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 it's different. You know, when you're used to getting home and being in your bed at midnight every year uh, or uh, every night, as opposed to getting in at the middle of the night, going back and forth through time zones, like it's, it's an adjustment. I think Blake went through that and, 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 you know, and, and, and to, 
to compound it. You know, Blake's played in the last game of the year, the last two years, right? So he's had, he's had short summers um, and, you know, short um, time to recuperate and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, but I, you know, he's been a real good player all year, but offensively now we're starting to see, uh, we're starting to see it go in for him a little bit more, which, you know, we, we hope continues. How do you quantify what he's done for your club? Because that he was your biggest free, th- th- he was your best or your biggest free agent acquisition this summer. How do you quantify him? Well, it's hard to quantify what he's brought to our team is, you know, you, I don't think you can ever have enough people that have won. And, you know, what I mean by that is just, you know, there's a calmness he brings into the room. Um, you know, the way he looks after himself, the way he, you know, he's, he's been through those, you know, those, those ebbs and flows of a season. Um, and ultimately, you know, we've had a few players now that have, have, have won at the end of the day. And I think that experience, what they can pass on to the rest of the group is vital. Um, he's, in my mind, an, an elite defensive player, an elite checker in the league, um, is an underrated offensive player. Like I said, he, he generates a lot. Um, it's starting to go for him a little bit more. He's a very versatile player, can play both ways. He can actually play all three forward positions, but he's he's comfortable on both wings. He can play up and down your lineup, um, a top-end penalty killer. So what he's brought us onto the ice is a lot of versatility. Um, you know, he's not a he's not a joy to play against. No. Um, and then he's been a just a real, a real good teammate. He's fit in seamlessly with our group. And like I said, he's you know, he he's he's got the He's got the T-shirt to show that he's been there and 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 won. And uh, that experience um, for a team that continues to you know any team that hasn't been there, you're learning to win. Um, he's been he's been invaluable. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team. You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For our, for our group. Yeah, before, I know we got to go to a break, but um, the one guy that is, I think I've had more questions and questioned myself more than anybody this year is, is Sean Monahan. Um, we all know he's a, he was a first round pick. We all know that he and Johnny were a partnership for a long time. We also know that this guy has paid a price physically for an NHL career. Um, what do you make of what he's done this year? And, and has he had to change his game that much that he can't be a prolific scorer anymore? Well, a couple of things, Sean, you're, you're right. You know, Sean has been a, has been a prolific goal scorer really since he's entered the league. Um, and he's, he's gone through a lot of, you know, he's quite frankly, he's, he's had a lot of surgeries, you know, he's, yeah. he's had a lot of wear and tear in his body. And he, he, had, he was shut down at the end of the year last year and had a hip surgery. I think, you know, he, as Sean does, he worked extremely hard to be ready for the start of camp and, and was, but that, that injury took some time. And, uh, and I think, you really in the last month or so he's he'll never complain about it, but I think he's feeling the best he's felt probably all year in the last month, six weeks. He's had a different role quite honestly here um, this year than he's had in the past. Um, he accepts it without any, any barking or moaning or complaining. Um, just a tremendous team guy. I think we're his, his, his ability to put the puck in the net hasn't left him yet. So we're going to need we're going to need more offense that he's capable of providing, um, and we like I said we've seen that the last six weeks, but he's he's a guy I look to in the second half as we continue to try to, you know, grab for as many goals as we can. I think there's more there offensively than he's had in the first half, but I think there's reasons for it. But he's he's accepted a new role, and he's uh, I think he's going to be a good player for us here. But but, down the stretch. but he he's he's the, in my opinion this is my personal opinion he's the the poster child for a, a player that is going to have a difficult time with 40 games in 80 days because, because of the wear and tear in his body. And the fact you met, you mentioned it, Brad, 
This guy, I mean, I remember one summer, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe three summers ago, he had four surgeries. Mm. He had he, one summer, he had four surgeries. This guy doesn't complain, plays through the injuries and, you know, finds a way to suck it up. Yeah. 40 games in 80 days is going to be tough on him. Yeah. It, to that point, I think it's going to be tough for everybody. Like that's going to be a, a litmus test for, for all these teams is injuries are going to play a part. The one thing I'd say with Sean is I think he's, he's, he's getting over what he, what he dealt with last summer. And I think he's feeling the best he can, but it's, it's going to be a battle of attrition here for the next three months. Brad Living is uh, with us. And as mentioned, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break and come back with more after these messages. With Brad Treliving of the uh, Calgary Flames, Bob McCowan, John Shannon, along with you. Um, the trade deadline approaches. Um, it's not at hand, really, but uh, I would think you're starting to think about what might be available. Are there conversations taking place among the general managers now? Substantive conversations? Yeah, there's, I think there's always, well, there is always conversations, Bob, I think as teams start to flush themselves out um, of where, you know, what path they're going, uh, going down. I think those start to become, as you said, more substantive, you know, now, I think as we get through the break, um, you know, and teams have, if you want to use the term buyers and sellers, I don't think it's completely um, you know, that you've, you've completely separated everybody into two groups, but certainly there's certainly some teams that are, are, um, either firmly in or firmly not in that, that are having those discussions right now. So I think, I think as traditionally you get through the midway point and now teams have had their, their organizational meetings, you've had your pro meetings and that you've had a good first half look at your team and maybe understand a little bit better where your areas that you'd want to address if you're looking to add. So I think those, those, those conversations start to pick up now for sure. But as you said, you know, there are haves and there are have nots. Um, but um, almost none of them are in um, the Pacific division. Um, you know, hmm. Seattle is at the bottom. But between Vancouver in seventh and Vegas in first, first are exactly 11 points. Uh, that is about as compact seven teams in, you know, all heading for the same objective as you're going to see at this time of year. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sure there, pro there probably was a time when there were more teams or it was closer amongst seven teams, but that's, that's really close. How do you separate the wheat from the chaff and does it, and do you, Brad, are you inclined then to be a little bit more cautious about what you do, given that you have these six other teams that you're competing against who are thinking the same kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I think a couple of things, Bob, I, I, you certainly are cognizant of what's going on around you. I don't think you can chart your path based upon you know, what the guy down the street is or the guy in your division is doing, you have to have, you know, at the end of the day, you have to have um, clear conviction of what you believe, where you are, where your team is at and whether, you know, what, what, what deficiency you may have. Obviously you have to make a decision if you're adding to your team that you believe that you're, and if you're prepared to give up assets, that you feel you're going to be a playoff team. You're right. It is tight in our division. I don't think it's going to change. I don't. I don't see it changing. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be like this right through to the end. Um, and then you have to make a decision. You know, of of, you know, if you're if you're looking to add to your group, when do you do it? Um, a lot of that is not necessarily your own choosing. You've got to find. Um, you know, you got to find a dance partner and something that fits and 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 something that works for not only yourself but the other side but um i think you can you got to be very careful number one know exactly what's going on around you but you you can't be a slave to you know the other teams i think you 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 choose a path um you're 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 convicted in that path and you move forward and that's uh you know that's that's what i believe in well, I, I and I don't dispute anything you said. I, I'm just I'm, I'm just curious in trying to understand, or let the audience have some perspective on on understanding the process that you go through. So, you've got these seven teams in a bunch. 
Um, they are your direct competition uh, yeah. moving towards uh, April. And well, let me put it this way. When you are in conversation with another team, how often will you about a particular player? How often will you know whether th there are other teams or what other teams are also interested in the player you might be interested in and how that affects what you do? Right. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily, there's sometimes you have a, listen, you, as, as, as teams start to make decisions, if you're a selling team and a team starts to go to market with a certain player, um, you have a pretty good understanding as you go through evaluating all the other teams, what they may be looking for. So if you're, you know, if you're direct competition, you may know if they're looking for a forward or a centerman or, you know, they're looking for a defenseman. So you may have an idea of what positional need. You may not know if they're chasing Joe Smith or, or, or somebody that you may have interest in, but you have a pretty good idea of what um, just in discussions with them, what they may be looking for. Um, ultimately, you know, those teams that are ready to are, are looking to move players, they got to make those decisions, whether they are, you know, whether it's a UFA player that they're going to, if they're going to plan to sign or if, if they are going to market with a certain player. I mean, that's really a lot of the discussions, you know, center around you, you, you study your own team, you determine where a need is that you feel you need to address. And then you try to go to the market to try to fill it. And, and, and you got to find out if you, if there may be three or four players you have interest in, well, if those teams aren't interested in moving those players, it's pretty hard to, 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 to make a deal. So that's where I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the time is spent is, is determining where you think you, your, your needs are, and then trying to go to market to see where, where, where who's, who's moving who. And, uh, and sometimes that doesn't happen till the deadline. You know, sometimes people are, you know, are, are engaged in whether it be contract negotiations or, you know, we've seen it before. And as you talk about with the Pacific, how tight it is, um, I firmly believe, like when we talked about the compactness of the schedule, uh, injuries could play a part going down the stretch. Who knows? You know, there's, there's going to be a lot that changes. A lot of things are going to happen between now and March 21st. Um, but I guess in a, in a short way, yeah, you, you're, you're probably – you probably have a decent idea what other teams are, are going to do. I don't know if you, if you can pinpoint and say, well, this team is going to go after that guy. So, you know, I got to get in there first. You got you, 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 I think you can get into trouble trying to chase around and, and worry too much about what other people are doing, doing focus in on, on what you're trying to accomplish and, um, and go from there. How much, how much, how much reluctance, sorry, John, how much, last how one for me, and then I'll let you go. How much reluctance would you have to make a deal with one of the one of the other teams in your division? It's pretty. It'd be pretty Look, tough I've made to deal in our division. I think it's 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 not common because you're you're in direct competition, right? Correct. You're usually in direct competition. Um, does it happen? Sometimes it does happen if if there's a fit there. Um, I, I would say that's probably, um, you know, that's that's not the norm. Um, and you know, but you, 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 you've had some, you, listen, we don't, we don't have a lot of discussions. I don't think with teams in your own division because you're, you're chasing them or they're chasing you. Um, so there, I don't, I don't know if there'd be a whole lot of, um, transactions between those teams, but it's not to say, you know, it's not to say that there wouldn't be, um, you know, if a team, if, if, if you're a team that's out of it. Or, or you're not you're not looking to be a playoff team this year. I think the field's wide open. Doesn't matter where you're. Oh yeah, who you're dealing with. But if yeah. you're in direct competition with a team for a you know a playoff spot, usually you know I wouldn't say it would never happen, but I would say that's probably uh, at least a likely dance partner. Hey, for the layman out there, and Bob's questions about the, how you work uh, around the league and. Um, trade deadline. How much different is trade deadline on than free agency? Uh, from that perspective, I know you're dealing with agents, and agents can maybe fib to tell you there's lots of bidders, but general managers do the same thing. So, how, how much is your is your philosophy as a as somebody trying to make acquisitions? How much is it different on the 21st of March than it will be on the 15th of July? 
Well, I think um, in, in, in July you have a, you know, there's a set, you know who the players are, right? You, you, here's, here's the free agents and, and, and you're, you're basically working out, um, you know, a, a contract. The deadline still, as, as, as we talked about here, you, you still may not know right now who's, who's going to be definitely in play. You have a lot of conversations with teams, but you don't know for sure if those are players that, are, that, that they're going to move um, or if you're, if you're in a selling mode that you're going to move. Um, I would say this, John, I haven't been over the years. I haven't, you know, I haven't been an overly active manager at, at the deadline. I, I really do believe you build your team in the summer and, and you got to be careful around the deadline. Um, you know, in the last couple of years with, especially with the flat cap now, there's so much with, you know, how, how, how term is going to be affected certain teams. If you've got contracts that are coming up. You've got, you know, there's, there's a balancing act with that. Um, but I would say this, if you're trying to get something done in the deadline, I would prefer to do something earlier than, than later. Obviously, you know, I worked with Berkey for a lot of years and, and he had always had the great analogy. It's the deadline is sort of like, you know, it's like rush hour traffic and you got five lanes merging into one and it's, it's chaotic. If you can get out in front of it, um, it's always better, but that's, you know, sometimes easier said than done. If you, you can't, force somebody to make a move if they're not ready to make a move, but it gets, you know, and then you get into the whole process of integrating people into your team. You know, as we talked about earlier, it doesn't just happen overnight that you plop somebody in. Sometimes there's instant chemistry more often than not, there's a transition to, you know, families, all those things are considerations of, of, of a player moving. So um, if you have determined a path and you are, and if there's a, a, a deal to be done earlier, I think that that's always advantageous sooner rather than later. And, and you, you touched on something in that answer about the cap. It becomes the haunting whisper in the back corner, whether it's the 81.5 or we hear it's going to be 82.5 next year. When you're sitting down at deadline, how much does the cap haunt you to, to make a deal? And when do you start to realize... I mean, there's a timing point where you can pay for the rest of the season and justify it, but w- when does that when does that occur? And has it occurred for you already? Oh, it's it occurs daily. You 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 know exactly where you're you're dealing with on a daily basis, and it and again, if you're talking about adding a player, John, again, it depends. If you if you're talking about adding an expiring contract, it's math for this year. So if you said, okay, we want to go add John Shannon, and he and he's you know he's a big priced guy, which we know John is. So he's making X amount of dollars. Then it's just, it's a math equation. How do we, how do we fit him in? Um, there's two ways to do it. We can fit him in on this date as with each day that goes off, you know, the salary comes down or we've got to have the, the team that you're dealing with eat a, a percentage of money, or you've got to have a percentage of money go back out the door. So that's just a math equation. If you're adding term, and then you're looking at, okay, I'm adding John. He's got two years left. We also have to do the following business to sign this guy, that guy, and this guy. That's a, little, that's a different equation. And, um, and as you said, we have a pretty good idea of where we're at cap-wise. There's going to be small growth. If, if, you know, if, if it's a million-dollar growth, I think it's been reported, you know, there's not going to be much more than that. So you have to factor that in. Um, so those, those, those things are happening daily. You have a, you get up every day and have an idea, you know, exactly where you are with the cap today. And then with each subsequent move, you have to know exactly how it impacts you, not only for this year's roster, but you know, tomorrow as well. I always find it astounding the amount of, uh, time and effort, especially the two sports networks, TSN and Sportsnet pay to trade deadline day. And of course, I've I've said so on the air, which is maybe one of the reasons why I'm not working there anymore. <laughs> but but these are these are deals based. I mean, they're business moves or they're irrelevant moves. I'm sure there are some made by general managers, um, yourself excluded. I'm sure that are made simply to say, "Well, I did something, and I traded this fifth liner for that sixth liner." Oh, there's there's guys, Bob. Hey, there's guys managers in this league that it's almost like a rite of spring. I've got to do a deal. 
And whether it's a big deal or a little deal, they will walk out of the room saying, oh, I've said it for 30, years. Yeah, it's 34 consecutive years. I've done a deal. You know, that happens. <laughs> well, if there are 21 deals made on trade deadline day, generically, I can tell you 20 of them are of, of are a complete waste of time for everybody involved. Yeah. <laughs> and and maybe one you of those have to is let, a you, you know if you go back yeah it's a good point bob like if you go back and say okay how many do you know how to deals i guess twofold if your team is if you're if you're you know if you're if you're if you're a team that's adding let's say if you're a buyer there, I can, there's always as a manager and i've said this since i've been a manager you you always take your cues from your team right so and if your team's in a position where, you know, they're, they're having a good year, you want to help. You want to be able to go down sure there. You do. It's like walking into your kid's room and they're all looking at you of saying, okay, you know, help us, give us, give us, give us another piece. See, so you, you want to help. But if you go back historically and look how many, you know, big deals are done and, and ultimately how much success comes from those. You, I mean, we've done the exercise. You can extrapolate, you know, and there are there are there are deals every year that that are successful, um, and but you got you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Everybody gets excited and and jacked up, and we all want to do we all want to help our teams. But you know what's going to cost you future assets and all these types of things. So it's it's you know you you've got to be you got to be careful. You got to do homework and. And ultimately, you hope you make the right decisions. But the, but the balancing act, you, you talked about going down and all the kids are looking at you when you when you look in the room. You also know if you're going to do that, if there's 18 kids in that room, one of them might be gone. That's the other part of it, John, is, is if you've had success, sometimes part of that people don't, you know, it's all when you play fantasy league, it's great. We'll go get this piece, that piece. But you know, there mix and 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 cohesion and all those types of things. Chemistry, I think, is a big part of our sport, and it's a big part of a of a team concept. So you got to be careful of 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 how people fit into to to roles and fit in with the group. But you know, hey, we're 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 all very very competitive, and you know, as as the the, the stoic general line is, if there's a way to help your team, you want to do it. And I always laugh. I always laugh at all the. Um, you know, all the predictions for the deadline. And the, the best one is, oh, well, is, is team XYZ going to do anything? Well, if they can find a really good fit, Burke and I used to vote this one. They say, well, is this team going to do anything? And the, 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 the guy would say, well, if they can find a really good fit at a really low price, <laughs> I think they'll do it. Yeah, but here's the problem. The last two or three years when Brian was on Sportsnet, he started to use that. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I've got I, this. This is the, the portion of the podcast where Bob wants to go to break. And I do an extra question. Okay. I, I, uh, so I, I really have to ask you, um, Daryl Sutter. Mm-hmm. What What do you know about Daryl Sutter now that you didn't know about when the season started or when you when when you hired him? Um, and can, can you feel on a daily basis? How do you feel what he has done to create accountability for your team? Well, I think he's he's. Is there anything now that I didn't? I guess. Do I know anything now that I didn't know then? Probably. Um, I don't know if there's anything different. I knew he, he, I think he's, I, in my opinion, I've said this before, I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. You know, he's won. He's had success. He's won cups. He's won championships. He's done. He's had success everywhere he's gone. Um, you know, I always, I always laugh when, you know, I think the public perception of Daryl um, is different than when you, when, you, when you work with him on a daily basis. He is as innovative um, he studies numbers. He studies data. He's, in my mind, he's ahead of, you know, he's always been a, sort of ahead of his time in, in, in that regard. Um, you know, we have a, we have a, you know, analytic data department here that he has dug into all the time and, and finding every, any, any, any edge or any advantage that he can. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's, he's very clear. Um, honesty, probably if you had to come up with one word, yeah, just, there's just, there's just brutal honesty and, uh, you know, for players, for individually, collectively as our group, um, he's, he's got a certain way that demands that we play. And, 
and and he holds people accountable accountable to that level and to that standard and uh um he's i think he's done a terrific job here um but i'm not surprised because i think he's just i think he's a hell of a coach by the way there's only one person responsible for that public persona there's only one person and that's daryl and you know it as well as i do oh, absolutely daryl daryl has created that level of what I, it, maybe it's not a new maybe it's a new word unapproachability because that's what Daryl wants. Daryl just wants to be able to do what he does. And yep, nope, let's go. We're going to go to work. <laughs> well, he's he's yeah he's he's been. I, I enjoy I enjoy it. Um, and like I said, he's 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 you know he's just he's real clear with the players. Like I said, there's no there's a real it's it's very in a lot of ways, a very simple approach. Um, but there, there's demands. And I think, you know, this level, it should be, we are, and ultimately, John, I, I do believe players like, you know, they like structure, they like accountability, they want it. And, uh, and he brings that for sure. You ever disagree with him? Oh, we always have. Yeah. I mean, when I say disagree, we, 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 we talk about a lot of different things, you know, um, but I, I think we see the game very similar. Um, you know, I think we had, you know, Daryl came in here at a time where I think we, we, you know, we were losing our way a little bit, right? We, 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 we needed, and I said it the day we announced Daryl, we need what Daryl brings. Our group needs what Daryl brings. And, uh, um, you know, you can see it, you know, not only collectively how, the team has played and listen we're, we're talking about all these great things we haven't accomplished anything yet but um and then you see how you know our top players have responded to them um but yeah we debate you know we debate things all the time and uh but um you know it's it's i've really i've really enjoyed i've really enjoyed our time together uh we're gonna let you go but um i said earlier that um you know you have um you're in an advantageous position because you have significant games in hand over the three teams ahead of you. And as you stated, um, you got to win those games in order to make that matter. And over the next two or three weeks, we're going to find out uh, or have a better idea of where you sit in your, in the Pacific. And um, I suspect it's going to be at or very near the top of, uh, of the division. We wish you good luck. And we thank you as always for your time. You're very generous with us. We greatly appreciate it. And, um, Good luck rest of the way. We'll talk to you later in the year, I hope. You bet. Thanks, as always, guys. Take care. Thank you, Mr. Treliving. Brad Treliving, the general manager of the Calgary Flames. Back with more after this. Uh, and we have returned, or you have returned, as the case may be. Um, Brad Treliving has not, and we thank him for uh, being with us. And we spent some considerable time discussing the Pacific Division and how tight it is. And it is extraordinary, but it is, it's really an, it's the most interesting division, I think. And yet when the season started, everybody went, oh, Pacific, going to be awful. Ah, oh, Pacific. It's, there's, there's nobody that's, uh, Vegas is going to be the, the team and that's going to be it. And maybe well, Edmonton no, I don't think so. I think you're wrong. I think it was okay. Vegas and maybe Edmonton if they can keep their crap yeah. together. That's right. Yeah. All right. And yeah. then Calgary looked like, um, I think Calgary was a question mark. Yeah, I, I agree. A Anaheim looked like they were too young. Yep. And LA looked like they were a combination of too young and not good enough. Yeah. Um, San, Jose, San Jose was, you know, rebuilding on the way down and they, and they had, you know, they had off ice problems, uh, that they didn't know how to deal with. And, you know, one of their best players was suspended for the first 21 games of the schedule. Yeah. And Vancouver uh, to, to the point where, and, and well, Vancouver, in Vancouver, listen, we already documented the issues in Vancouver. I mean, the, the three California teams, Bob, to me, really, in many ways, are the are the story uh, of the Pacific Division because they're the ones that have really made it competitive. I mean, Todd McClellan and the LA Kings, you know, they made some acquisitions last summer, like Victor Arvidsson, uh, and they have they have really good goaltending. You know, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick have, have made a tremendous difference there, and have kept them in games. And 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 then you look at what Dallas Aikens has done in Anaheim. You you were right. Uh, everybody thought that they were too young. That this was not going to be this year. And 
Now Zegras is the story, one of the great stories of the NHL because he's so talented. Um, they have they have become a fast team, a really fast young team. They're fun to watch. And San Jose, um, Bob Ugner and his guys have done a, just a remarkable job there. And so where we were saying Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary, maybe Vancouver, well, San Jose, Anaheim, and the Kings have really, uh, really, you know, bunched up that group. And that's why it's so competitive. Well, no, and, and Gabby Boudreaux and uh, Jim Rutherford have pulled Vancouver back into a position where they're not really in the fight yet, but they're no. close. They're, they're only 11 points out of first place. I mean, they have to keep playing like crazy, but there's now some belief that that's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's probable, but it's possible. And before those guys got there, I mean, they were they were going to fight Seattle for last place, and that's the only battle they were going to be in. Right? Well, and, if, and touching on Seattle, if you remember after the expansion draft and after all the hype that Vegas created four or five years ago, there was a belief that Seattle might compete for a playoff spot. Not from me. No, not from you, but from a lot of people, just because that's what, you know, they're supposed to be a better team. They, they in fact, were a disappointment early and have played pretty well of late. They weren't as good uh, a team as Vegas was, I mean, no. on paper. I, I mean, weren't. I, uh, you know, just to put it in perspective of Brad's discussion that we had about trades, we know that Arizona is going to be a seller if it wants to be. We know that Montreal is going to be a seller, and I suspect that the Seattle Kraken. I think. Oh, I, I guarantee it. A seller, yeah. And so a player like Brad used to have, Mark Giordano, who is the captain in Seattle. You have to wonder if he wants to be traded to go to win a, a, a contender. The only thing I would say to that is that if that was the case, they would have asked him last summer. I wouldn't have made him captain, but that's just my personal opinion. Oh, you don't think you, you think Seattle will keep Giordano? I do. I do. I thought um, you were going to go with maybe he goes back to Calgary. Well, I'll tell you what, and, and you know, we we ran out of time uh, with uh, with Brad, but uh, but he the was guy that's really us. no, but they, no, but the, the one they have a kid on their team, a young Swede named Oliver Shillington, who has really really good skater as a defenseman. Shillington has nobody. Nobody in Calgary has lamented. Boy, we miss Mark Giordano. They haven't. That's not a knock at Mark, but no. Oliver Shillington has has filled that position so well and done a marvelous job for for Daryl and, and Brad and, and the. Floor. Well, but look, you'd also concede the expectations for Calgary this year were not very high after last year. Yeah, but that changed. You know that changed on the first of December when they were what number one in the National Hockey League. They were a couple I, of days. They were number one. I, well, we know it changed very early in the season when, you know, a new coach revitalized or energized the franchise and the talent that had gotten lost suddenly resurfaced. And Jacob Markstrom was the best goalie. I think Jacob Markstrom's already got seven shutouts. I mean, it's remarkable. Well, I think that, and I I think, I think the flames are like number two in goals against. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, we got to go football tomorrow, football, Super Bowl. Preview of the uh, Super Bowl. We hope you'll join us for that. Until then, thanks for watching or listening. For Shannon McCowan, see ya. (laughs) 